Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i am dean linky this is the united soccer coaches podcast it is presented by league apps and yes i do love this show each and every week i am sometimes even surprised how much i love it because i always learn so much and meet so many great people We kick off the show, continuing to put the spotlight on coaching education all month long. Two weeks ago, Charlotte Heinemann. Last week, Felicity Day. Today, it'll be the Advanced National Diploma and the great Barry Gorman. Hard to find a kinder, nicer person than Barry Gorman. He kicks off the show. Speaking of kind, Guy Cornish Jr. has poured his heart and soul into the black soccer coaches community back in the early 90s, maybe even before he is considered their historian, he is considered their PR man, he is considered a legend and was recognized as a legend on that special Saturday night where I found him too. I didn't even know him, but I found him. I found his family. He basically welcomed me to their table and I said, guy, we got to get you on. Well, he is on today. After that, as you know, we like to promote great soccer podcasts. The Three Old Goalies is great. Greg Deutsch is on, John Boa is on, and Eric Valder joined us just as we were wrapping up, and he really kind of kickstarted the three old goalies. You can check it out at threeoldgoalies.com. Spell out three. They're on the show. They're funny. They've got great stories. They've had great interviews, great guests on their podcast. Three old goalies, the three old goalies podcast, all three of them outstanding and then another great member of our 30 under 30 class by way of england of course i love her accent chloe kane who's now part of the university of alabama birmingham women's soccer coaching staff that's our show and it starts with barry gorman after this message from our presenting sponsor league apps We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. If you've been listening in this month, you know that we've been leading off with the Education Department. Shellis Heinemann, the Interim Director of Coaching Education, kicked it off a couple weeks ago. Felicity Day, who's heading up the National Diploma in Indiana in June, where she'll be working with George Perry. And we mentioned that Barry Gorman's coming on this week. Next week is Paul Marco. Barry Gorman and I go way back to his days as the Penn State 
head coach when I was well, I still am with the Big Ten Network, but loved going up to Happy Valley. In fact, it's my favorite place to call a game. I've told Barry that before when I've seen him at the convention. With that, let me welcome in my good friend and a good friend to the association, to say the least, Barry Gorman. Welcome, Barry. Dean, thank you very much. It's uh, nice to see see you and hear you. And uh, don't forget, I'm still one of your number one fans. Well, I appreciate that. And I'm one of your number one fans because you had some good teams when the Big Ten Network launched, Barry. I mean, those are some exciting games when the Big Ten Network launched and you were leading the Penn State Nittany Lions. What do you remember about that, Barry? Oh, I mean, when you get into a conference as good as the Big Ten and you have those rivalries, it's it's just great. I mean, not just playing at home in Happy Valley, but going on the road and uh, pitting your team against the other teams. It, it just uh, was a great experience and a lot of really good games. And then especially with the games being televised, that just added to it. Yeah, it was incredible. And Barry, I appreciate you complimenting me, but really you're a legend. Before we get into the Advanced National Diploma, which is why we're here, remind us where you grew up, when you came over to the States, did you go to college here, how you ended up staying here? Give us your little Cliff Notes elevator speech if you can, Barry. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, I was born in Belfast, uh, Northern Ireland, and played over there. Went to Strand Millis Teacher Training College, part of Queen's University. Came over here, and then to get coaching and teaching, uh, you know, certification, I went to Lock Haven University. And while I was there, I was an assistant with uh, Mike Parker, and we won the first uh, Division Three National Championship. Then I coached at uh, Elko High School. We had a lot of good success and good players and, uh, you know, got a state championship. And then uh, a little uh, shortstop at Davis and Elkins College in West Virginia, national semifinal, and then up to uh, Penn State, where I was an assistant with uh, my great mentor and friend, Walter Barr, uh, for a couple of years before being honored to take over from him and spent uh, a good uh, 22 years there as the head coach. I don't know if you know this or not, but, you know, Davis and Elkins, Bill Nuttall was the GM of the 94 team, and I was the senior press officer. And I think they, I think his name is on something at, at Davis and Elkins. So that's incredible. And then Walter Barr would travel with the national team all over the world. And I got to know him really well. And then the one year when you hosted the Big Ten tournament, you had Walter Barr speak, and I got to sit right next to him. We've been tied forever, Barry, and we didn't even know it. <laughs> well, don't forget to add um, Hank Steinberger to uh, that list of DE alums. Um, but it's, you know, Dean, it's marvelous, the uh, soccer community even how far spread it is nowadays, but with the onset of technology, we still keep uh, close ties and that is great. Um, and it's it's certainly, uh, you know, we have seen the sport grow uh, tremendously over the last number of years. Your career is incredible. So when did the then named NSCAA, when did they find Barry Gorman? When did Barry Gorman find the then named NSCAA? Do you remember approximately when? Uh, I remember exactly. It was in Philadelphia and I went down because uh, I felt one of my high school players had been overlooked for the NSCAA All-America. And of course, typically being uh, 
being Irish and Northern Irish, uh, I spoke up. So um, the Pennsylvania high school coaches, uh, right after the meeting, a guy opened the uh, trunk of his car, lifted out a box and said, you are now the president of the Pennsylvania high school soccer coaches association <laughs> <laughs> all right well that works and then everything else developed from then and then uh, a good friend gary abadikian said to me one time he said you know you should get involved in this organization and um with our good friend mike berticelli at the time he said uh, come on board but the heck with all those other credentials you have you're gonna you and shellis hyman are gonna have to do internships for two weeks. In those days, we just had the national in advance. And Bert made us go to every session in the national and every session in the uh, advanced. So uh, that was when I came on board with the coaching education. And then the rest followed. Uh, unfortunately, Bert passed away. And I was asked to take his position on the board or to you know, see it out. Incredible. So do you know how many years then? Because, you know, every Friday night we do that big banquet where they do the 30, 40, 50 year. What pin are you on? Do you know, Barry? Do you have any idea? I, I, Dana, I have, no, I have no idea, but I'm dreading the day when they're going to say, and tonight we're going to give the 50th pin to... <laughs> And oh man, I, I honestly I don't know. Seventy eight was when I first uh, joined okay. and uh, came along. From then, I'll let the other people do the math. <laughs> that's fantastic. Seventy eight. That's incredible. We're here with Barry Gorman, we're talking about the fact that we're back in person with the national diploma. We heard all about that from Felicity Day. We heard the fact that Shellis Hyman brought Felicity together, brought Barry together, brought Paul together. They went out to Kansas City and they said hey we got to get back in person because that truly is what separates the United Soccer Coaches from any other entity as far as advanced coaching education you're heading up the advanced national diploma before we dive into that I've been asked to ask all of our guests in your own words what's the biggest difference between what United Soccer Coaches offers and what U.S. Soccer Federation offers as it relates to coaching education Good question, Dean, and it's been asked of me a number of times over the years. And, and basically, I'll say to people, uh, if you can, do both. I always recommend that they take the United Soccer Coaches courses, first of all, because I think you get a good grinding in um, the educational process, the methodology, and with our staff being so friendly, we offer a diploma. FIFA only allows one association to offer the uh, licensing, but we got to remember that this is a continent. It's not just a country. So anything that we can do to help United or the U.S. soccer in delivering courses or helping them get more people uh, qualified, then that's the better. But basically, you're looking at an organization that is for coaches and coaches uh, purely and simply. And I tell people we're a family. And once you're a member of the United Soccer Coaches, you're in that family and anything that we can do to help you. It's an ongoing process. We will be with you right through. Part of that process helps when you're in person. So 
I thought Felicity did a great job pointing out the benefits of having the National Diploma in person in Indiana. George Perry, another person that I'm sure you love, will be there as well. The Advanced National Diploma, the next step before Premier, is what you've been charged to head up. And we understand they're going to be in Omaha and in Colorado Springs. I don't know if you know the dates or approximate dates of the Advanced National Diploma. Let's start with that. Do you know when those are going to be in Omaha? Uh, July. They'll gonna, they're going to be in July. The Omaha course uh, precedes the one in Colorado Springs. The uh, Omaha, Nebraska one will run will start on the 17th of July. And the one in Colorado Springs will start the following week on the 24th of July. All right, perfect. And remind everybody you can go to unitedsoccercoaches.org and that window is starting to close to get enrolled. And we heard Felicity today break down the national diploma. So here's me. I just got my national diploma. What can I expect at the advanced national diploma, especially in person with you leading it, Barry Gorman? Well, at the advanced national, we start to look at groups of players, like whether we're talking about the back four and the goalkeeper or the back three and the goalkeeper, we're talking about the midfield or we're talking about the forwards. We will break it down by units and see how those players within that units will combine with each other. And then we'll look to see how one unit is going to pass things on to the other unit. And it's basically giving a good grinding in these units and looking at things in thirds of the field so that the people are prepared better for going to an 11 versus 11 situation that you have in the premiere. Back in person, how many days is the Advanced National Diploma, Barry? You're looking at basically five days from when they first arrive to when they leave. And, it, you know, the last day will be just a matter of testing and the candidates will be out of there by one o'clock in the afternoon. Shellis and Felicity did a great job breaking down the bonds that are created by being in person, by having breakfast together, by having lunch together, dinner together, in between being outside some, inside some, but being together. Can you echo their sentiments, please, sir? Oh, without a doubt, 100%, because uh, we're all about being user-friendly. And the coaches are going to be living and eating and sleeping in the same area as the candidates. And we will sit with the candidates over breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They may get a little tired of us, but, um, <laughs> you know, that's the whole thing. It's the availability. So if someone doesn't want to ask a question in a group, they can speak to the coach in a more informal setting. And then I see you every year at the convention and the way Shellis tells the story is people will come up to him and said, Hey, you know, you taught me this certificate or this certificate or that certificate. And maybe sometimes Barry and Shellis is very honest. It takes a second, but by the end of it, he's like, Oh yeah, Boca Raton. Now I got it. I remember you and you're in Illinois and you're in Pennsylvania, that type of thing. Does that happen to you as well? Oh, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, at the start, it is a little bit uh, disconcerting <laughs> and uh, you start thinking I were and when, but they'll usually tell a story that you go, bam, that's that's where it was. And then that leads into one thing after another. And a, and a couple of minutes chat turns into a 15, 20 minute uh, discussion and usually with quite a few laughs. And I usually say to the people, well, I'm glad you're still talking to me. So <laughs> I must have done something right. 
Well, I'm sure they are because every time I see you at the convention, to be fair, Barry Gorman, it's like the first time you've ever been there. You have this joy on your face and the, you know, the few times that I get to go up to you and talk to you, you share that joy. I mean, I think that kind of says it all about how you feel about United Soccer Coaches. Oh, absolutely. And when I first came here, I basically was fighting this image that here's another guy with a foreign accent and thinks he knows it all and all this kind of stuff. But it was through joining an organization like then the NSCAA and now the United Soccer Coaches that I I really became um, accepted in this country, accepted into the soccer community, and also have made countless friends over the years. That it that is just great that you get to see at the convention or in courses. Or you go to a game and you run into somebody and they're they're wearing United Soccer Coaches T-shirt or hat, and a conversation springs up right away. But you know, I, I've said this many times. I I thoroughly believe if there's life on other planets, they're playing soccer or <laughs> real football. I love that. I love that. Two more questions for you, Barry. As you know, we dedicated this entire month to the coaching education department as the lead-off guest. Shellis two weeks ago, Felicity last week, you now, and then next week, Paul Markle will be on to talk about the premiere. What can you share as a segue to what Paul will share with us next week about the premier level certificate from United Soccer Coaches? Well, the, the premier is where you're putting it all together and a coach is learning to handle 11 players and all the different roles and responsibilities and hopefully patch it all together. I mean, Paul is a very good instructor and he's uh, done extremely well at Binghamton. So, you know, I, th I, I, I truly believe that when you come through the courses at the United Soccer Co uh, Coaches Association, you are you're getting tremendous instructors, instructors who care and who will do their utmost to explain it so that you will walk away, hopefully as a better coach and a better person and will get involved in the United Soccer Coaches Association because it's, it's, it's a great organization. And Jeff Van Dusen at the moment, after our meetings in Kansas City, Jeff is doing a fantastic job and my hat's off to him. Yeah, amen. He has made United Soccer Coaches the home for all coaches. It's a simple statement, but I love that. All right, we're going to end with this. I call it sometimes my last word. Sometimes I call it if you missed it all. And that is, Barry, if somehow, some way, everybody missed everything you said up to this point, what do you want the members of the association to know about the fact that the advanced national diplomas are back, they're live and in person, you're going to be in Omaha, you're going to be in Colorado Springs in July. If they missed everything but this soundbite right here, right now, what are you going with, Barry? I'm going with if you want to improve your coaching knowledge, the depth of knowledge, and you want to network with fellow coaches in an environment that is concentrating on learning, then come to the in-person courses this summer. It's great to be back in person. That's what we're all about. It's face-to-face. -face, it's helping each other. And it's growing the game together and doing things to make our players better. I love it, Barry. I feel very much that I've grown as a broadcaster because 
of you starting at the Big Ten Network. I did the first ever game, Ohio State, West Virginia, then two days later, Indiana, UCLA, and then eventually found my way to Happy Valley in that first season, 2007. And you were so kind to me all the time. Love going to Happy Valley. Love that you were there. Love that you're kicking off this week's show. Barry Garman, thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Dean, my pleasure. And thanks again for everything that you do, not just for our coaching organization, but for soccer in general throughout the United States of America. Well, I certainly appreciate that. When we return, we'll visit with Guy Cornish, who was at the very grassroots of the Black Soccer Coaches community, which has arrived. Guy Cornish on the bounce on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Introducing the first ever CoachCon, presented by Soccer.com in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, August 11th through the 13th. Register now to experience distinct coaching education from top-level professionals and earn a special topics diploma in game analysis or organizational leadership. Spots are extremely limited. Register today at unitedsoccercoaches.org slash CoachCon. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. I want to thank Barry Gorman for kicking it off, talking about the advanced national diploma. Now we continue what has been an amazing story that I've loved sharing, and that is that Saturday night at the convention, the Black Soccer Coaches Legends event, because ever since that night, I feel like it's changed my life in many ways. And one of the legends that was recognized that night is Guy Cornish, who was a multi-sport athlete, has made his mark in soccer and football and other sports as well we'll get into that but first let me welcome in one of the legends recognized that night with his family there which was awesome and that is the aforementioned guy cornish guy welcome to the united soccer coaches podcast thank you dean thank you for having me this is quite an honor and a surprise for me uh, <laughs> i'm usually in the background somewhere well, and that's why I understand you're in the background, you're doing great work, and a lot of people describe you as the historian of the Black Soccer Coaches. Some people describe you as the PR man, others just describe you as an amazing coach, mentor, leader, and a lot of people just describe you as a wonderful human being, to be fair, Guy. I, I think you'll take all of those, right? Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the last one. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, so... I told you the story before we came on the air on how I had to get to this event. And I'm not totally sure why, but I had to get there. I got there and you, I guess, didn't realize were one of the first people I saw and you're at the table and you've got all these beautiful young people and your family around you. And I could see the smile on your face. So let's just start with that Saturday night because Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book called Tipping Point, right? Key moments in life where things change for the better, right? And we hope anyway. That was a tipping point night for me, Guy. I got to believe for someone like you that has been a part of the Black Soccer Coaches community before it was even called that, it's got to be a tipping point for you. Can you put into words what I witnessed that Saturday night and particularly from your point of view, the journey that you've been on to get to that point where you must be feeling pretty good about the future? Yeah, well, everything started, I guess, back around 96 of I forgot which where we were at that particular time. It may have been in Washington. And uh, Lincoln got some people together, wanted to try to put something together. And I had just had some experience with the National Association of Health Physical Education on some using computers. So I said, oh, okay, I'll give them a, give them a little bit of help. Maybe I can help with something. And I started with uh, membership 
and then uh, the web, any type of information they had or coming in or going out, I'd work on that. And I started with that and it just kept growing and growing and I finally got to some conventions. Truly the person that actually got me into the association was Charles DeSilly, the former women's coach at the, he was the first one at uh, Rutgers University. We were uh, colleagues together in, uh, in the middle school of health physical education in Willingboro. And he's the one that got me into the association and it just took off from there. We're here with Guy Cornish Jr., who was recognized as one of the legends of the black soccer coaches that Saturday night. And let me just read off some of the accolades this man has received. He's received the President's Council on Physical Fitness, Sports, Nutrition, President's Challenge, the Presidential Champion, Platinum Level with over 1 million activity points. He's in the South Jersey Soccer Hall of Fame in 2017. He received the NSCAA Certificate of Appreciation in 2014, Lifetime Golden Pass with the Burlington County Scholastic League in 2005, the South Jersey Soccer Coaches Association Girls Coach of the Year in 97, the New Jersey Girls Soccer Coaches Association Sectional Coach of the Year South, also in that same year when he also received the New Jersey Girls Soccer Coaches Association State Coach of the Year. He's been recognized by the Trenton Times as an all-area Coach of the Year, South Jersey Soccer Coaches Association. As I mentioned, too many to list here all at once. And you dabbled in both footballs, right? This soccer and American football. So you've always had a love of the game and not just this game, but also American football. What can you tell us about the combination of soccer and football? And I think you said you played basketball and track and everything else. When I graduated high school, way back in the 50s, <laughs> in 57, I had uh, chipped the uh, bone in my ankle at YCA, YMCA camp playing softball. I went to sign in and get my courses at Bloomfield College and seminary. I had a seminary at that time down near North New Jersey. They didn't have a football team but they had a soccer team and I want to try to do something to stay in shape a little bit. So I went out for the soccer team with uh, coach Bob Nichols, who was uh, an ex-Marine. He was about five, seven, five, six. Woo, he was something. He was the head of the gym and everything. So all of the different sports programs went through him and he was in charge of them at the time. He came out for the first day of practice. He said, didn't I see you last week uh, on crutches and everything? I said, yes, sir. And <laughs> so I came out and, went, and uh, we worked out and joined the team. We had some people from Italy and we had one person from Korea. Oh, he was, he was about 6'3". He was an ex-captain in, uh, in the ROK. He was a dynamic player. Mm -hmm. but, uh, <laughs> I had some good stories about him, but that's for another time. <laughs> but anyway, that's where it started. And one of the things that uh, Coach Nichols had us doing, we'd do maybe uh, five lengths of the field. We had to sprint. He'd be standing there smoking a cigarette. And he put the cigarette down. And he said, anybody I beat on this lap has to do five more. Mm. He never beat me. 
<laughs> we read the time, but he never beat me. <laughs> so I yeah. never had to do it again. So that's where we started with that. And then I kept on going. But when I went into the military, I didn't finish at Bloomfield. I only went into my junior year. Then I went in the Air Force. That's when I started playing uh, American football. Okay. Uh, when I was in the Air Force in Japan. Okay. And the head coach had played for the the Rams. The defensive coach had played under um, Woody Hayes. At, That's at my boy, Woody Hayes. I'm a big Buckeye guy. <laughs> I, I've met Woody Hayes, actually. Somebody that married into my mom's side of the family blocked for Archie Griffin. So that's awesome. Okay. Oh, yeah. All so right. This was, yeah, Doc Williams Stewart. Okay. And, uh, the whole thing about the that football team was, regardless of the coach's rank, if you saw them in uniform, you recognized and paid uh, tribute to their rank. But on the field, everybody was equal. And yeah. So it really helped. And uh, if something, there was something between the coaches, one coach was disagreeing with the other about something, they never let us see it. They, okay. they, they'd wait until everybody had gone out of the locker room and they went in the coach's office or they went up to the uh, officer's club and we never got to see them argue, which was different than when I was coaching and helping at Trenton State that really threw us on one of the games we should have won and uh, we got blown away 26-0 and one of my teammates told, told me that my jaw must have hit the floor because I, I couldn't believe it the other team they were putting themselves in position where it was easy to be beaten people could run right past people and run to their back and our guys would be standing around looking around like what, what's going on so I said, oh, my gosh, this that heart. But all through that and going through all the different things, and then when I got to my job in, uh, in the junior high school and met Charlie DeSilly, and he was coaching at uh, Rutgers, invited me up to see some of the games and tell me about the association and how I should join it. He was really a big help. He was like a mentor to me. Okay. Okay. So what, what year do you think you joined the association? How 1993. 1993. Okay. Here's my 30-year pin they just sent me. They just sent you your 30-year pin. Okay. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So you've seen a lot, Guy. Now, let me just get this straight because you mentioned another university and you mentioned the military. And I was thinking you also went to Temple. Did you get any of your degrees from Temple or were you just taking some doctor credits at Temple? I was taking some doctoral credits at Temple. Uh, okay. I had uh, got a nine doctoral credits from Temple. Okay. Uh, before they shut the program down because okay. it was adapted in physical uh, education. And there were only 10 of us from uh, undergrad through doctoral in the program. So they decided to shut the program down, especially when the head professor was leaving and going back to Canada. Okay, got it. So where did you get your bachelor's and master's from? Uh, Trenton State University. Well, it's, it's College of New Jersey now. Okay. It's, uh, Trenton State. You know, you mentioned you just got your 30-year pin. 
But I mean, you've actually been involved in coaching multiple sports since uh, the way I see this here since 1974 or 72. You were a defensive end and backfield coach, then a wrestling coach. Then uh, 1984, you became the assistant coach for the Willingboro Wings. Am I saying that right? Willingboro, is that how you say yeah, it? Yeah, correct. You're right. Okay. So really, soccer, you broke in as a coach in 84. Is that right? Probably around 75. Okay. Because uh, my eldest daughter was playing in uh, on a team in Hightstown, New Jersey, uh, not too far from, uh, from Trenton. Okay. And uh, I was an assistant coach for that team. And then we moved to Willingboro. And uh, she joined the, the Willingboro Soccer Club there. And for there, I, I wasn't a coach. I was just a parent for a while. Okay. And then the second daughter comes along, and she gets in there. And then, <laughs> then that got me involved more. So, mm -hmm. in fact, all four of my daughters and the first granddaughter all played soccer. And most of them played in Willingboro. And now my second granddaughter is playing soccer along with, with my two great grandsons. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, because it says here you ended, eventually became a coach with the Willingboro High School as well. And then you started working with the New Jersey State Soccer ODP program. You did that. You were, then became the head coach at Willingboro, I believe, yeah. in 2001. And then you started working with girls, I mean, both girls and boys soccer, still was dabbling in wrestling as well. And then you became the assistant coach for Project Camden United at Rutgers Camden University. What does that mean exactly? What were you doing there? Uh, that was probably through uh, Project uh, Denkium, which uh, a Ghanaian-backed uh, name, the head of that was from Ghana. Uh, he was an uh, engineer here in one of the, companies in Willingboro. And that's how I got involved with that. That was a, a, a soccer program. But the thing was, I think he, he had great ideas, but he was trying to do too much at once. And okay. sometimes some of the things uh, couldn't be covered because of whoever he had put in charge of that didn't have that same drive for that particular item that he did so the things were very good but that's how i got involved with that thank you it's kind of like an alligator with three heads <laughs> yeah <laughs> the icon yeah but you're an alligator that wanted education because i mentioned the fact that you got your u.s soccer licenses at least some of them you got your national diploma when did you wake up and say you know, hey, yeah, I'm good in all these other sports, but I really want to have more education as it relates to being a soccer coach, which clearly then opens the door to then named NSCAA, now United Soccer Coaches. How did that revelation happen? Who, and you may have said it already, but say it again, Guy Cornish, who opened the door to the association? Charles Vasili. Charles Vasili was the, the women's head coach at uh, Rutgers University. He was the first one women's coach. And I think he had played at Temple or something, and he had played some pro ball somewhere. I remember every day he'd have uh, an off period. So he'd be finding himself in a room somewhere 
and you look in there and there he is jumping rope and doing all kinds of exercises. Yeah. Staying in shape. I remember one day I was talking uh, something about some of the young kids. I said, how do I set up a, a, a game for maybe 22 uh, six-year-olds or eight-year-olds and something and put them into this drill or something? And he said, no, don't do that. He said, what's on is on. <laughs> I said, what? I said, what? He said, what's on is on. I said, whatever's there is there. He said, they'd have to see it. And, and that said, oh, maybe I'm trying to do too much. Maybe it's, let's move back and get out of the way a little bit and let them take control of the game. He said, my time would be in practice and in drills but in the game, let the players play the game and get out of the way. So that was basically my philosophy. All right. Well, you couldn't get out of the way on that Saturday night because they, <laughs> they, they and you were front and center and your whole family was there and you are a legend. And to me, you're a legend beyond the black soccer coaches community. You are a legend just period. doesn't matter your color with United soccer coaches, but knowing that, when you first started guy, the room was really small and there were only a couple people that looked like you to where they are now, where Nicole Hercules, who is one of the most amazing people I've ever come across. So hopefully yes, you can go. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, Lincoln gets up there and starts talking and then Mike Curry gets up there and start talking and then they do the tribute to Lorne. And again, you're there with your family and all this love is in that room I mean, can you put into words the growth of the black soccer coaches community where now you are not only getting the seat at the table, but we're seeing more people of color get big time jobs, you know, particularly in college, not enough, not enough, but we're not going to stop. We're going to keep on going. When you go back to that night that you were recognized and all these other amazing people were recognized, people that you, I know you have mad respect for like Mike Curry, like Hugh Menzies. I know that you have mad respect for those people. They were all there in together. And then younger people like Kadani McAlpine, I call him the captain of cool. You know, he was right there. Bo Shani was in the back of the room and, and Marsha was there. I mean, when you know where you started and where you are now, Guy, can you put into words what it means to see this amazing growth to the point now where the black soccer coaches community has not one, but five people part of their governance. And more importantly, now when we show up at the convention in Anaheim, we know that one, that's going to be another big time event, but two Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we are going to see so many sessions being run by big time coaches who happen to be black next time around, I hope to say guy corners, junior, they're just run by big time coaches, but you know, for now we'll still say, you know, because of all the progress that they're black, but I mean, can you put into words how that makes you feel knowing everything you've done from the beginning, when you might have five people in that room to that night where there was not enough room in that room. Well, I don't know how to really put it into words, Dean. Uh, I was just, Overwhelmed, really. I was overwhelmed and see the growth and so happy. And, and I guess there's another thing. I don't know if it's from Desilly or what, or somewhere in, in my education is to reach back and 
whoever's following me said, here, maybe I can keep a little, knock a few things out of the way so it's not so difficult for you mm -hmm. and clear the path for you a little bit. So yeah. it, it feels like that type of, uh, that type of situation that if I can open the door, all you have to do now is step through it, right? So it, it was kind of that, just clear the path and let the others come through, new ideas, get out of the way. <laughs> well, but get out of the way, but also get recognized. So I mentioned the fact that a lot of people within the Black Sox, Nicole, Mike Curry, Hugh Menzies, have called you kind of the historian, the the man behind the scenes, but, you know, pumping it and that type of thing. How did you get that role? How did that happen, Guy Cornish, where you became this behind the scenes leader on getting the message out about what's going on with the black soccer coaches? How did that happen? Somewhere at one of the conventions, they had asked for somebody to help, like, write a, a monthly newsletter. Okay. So it came down to me, and it was a paid pay job at the time and you sign up and it's how much per hour and so forth and how much did you you were going to devote per month to doing that job so i did it i, I don't know how long i did it maybe three four five years maybe more okay but information would come in either somebody was looking for a job or somebody had a job or they needed this, they needed that. That information would be put out to all of our members. And also that information would go international, would be put out and okay. they would do that. And a lot of times I would use that money to help and offset other things. Okay. And it's, <laughs> so there's one September, I'm waiting for the check to come in. <laughs> And they had changed everything, <laughs> and I was no longer needed. Ah, <laughs> oh, but, but you... okay. So I kept on doing everything else. Okay, uh, and you kept hanging in there with it. And I think the fact that you have so many daughters, I want to go back to Nicole. Knowing that you have so many daughters, I think a lot of them were there that night. And if they weren't, I felt their presence around you because like the whole table was was your table and you didn't even realize you kind of welcomed me over to your table while I was kind of levitating, you know, seeing Lincoln and every every word out of Nicole's mouth, I was just drawn to. Can you put into words what it means to have somebody like Nicole that then paves the way to have Andrew and Maya and Marsha and Sammy and Mario now step up and lead young, powerful people of color. It's so great. And she's doing a, job, a great job and she's moving on uh, forward. And uh, like I said, it was good to see so many new people coming in and new ideas and everything. And uh, I had stepped aside in 2016 okay. i put in 20 years on the executive committee and i said okay it's time for for these young people to take over and then on the 20 uh again it was in baltimore in 2020 mike and lincoln were getting their award i think you were in charge you're, <laughs> you're the mc <laughs> so mike and lincoln were getting their awards and mike paid for my registration and a room and everything. And I was rooming there with uh, Robert Smith oh, from the nice. union. 
Yeah. So we're all in there together. So that's how that came down. So I walk into the convention center and see some of the people and they're calling me, even then they were calling me a legend and stuff. <laughs> and then next thing I know, they put me back onto the committee. Yeah. They haven't given me any, a job yet. Okay. <laughs> they haven't well, given me a job yet. I've been on a lot of the Zoom calls and everything. And the thing is, I didn't even know that I was getting an award because it was the Sunday before, yeah, before everything started. Mm -hmm. I'm coming from my great grandson's basketball game. Okay. And it got in the phone, and all of a sudden my phone rang. And it's Mike Curry on the phone. And he wanted to know if I'm coming. I said, I don't know if he told me I was getting an award at that time or something, but something that I had to be there. Yeah, he did. So now I got to go and start getting everything ready because I hadn't planned to go at all, <laughs> <laughs> even though it's just down the road. <laughs> Like about half an hour away, the family got together and they all said, "Okay, we're coming too." So yeah. my one, my one daughter and my wife were unable to make it. Okay, but, uh, everybody else was there, right? Like everybody I mean, everybody else was there. And they, they, your family felt the same way I did, right? The same way you did, right? About that night, no? That's it. They're all amazed. That's it. wow. And, and I have one picture there where. Uh, we were all downstairs, I guess, on the way out. The littlest one, six-year-old, isn't in the picture because he's the one that took the picture. Oh. So that, the rest of the family's in the in the picture. So, so guy, one other thing happened that night. So Hugh Menzies, um, obviously, you might know, I've been a broadcaster for thirty years. You know, started at the Colorado Rapids and you mm -hmm. know call soccer games every year. And Hugh Menzies is going to try to do a little work at the World Cup in Australia, New Zealand for Fox. And he and I kept trying to hook up because he wanted to talk to somebody who's been in the broadcasting world. And I found him when that was done and I was really emotional. So then the next week he reached out, I was like, Hey Dean, I want to come in. I want to see Anson. Then I want to sit with you. And I wrote him back. I'm like, Hugh, I'm still flying high from that night. He's like, he said, you know, I could feel your emotion. And I'm like, well, yeah, you, you need to feel it. And you're going to feel it every week on the United soccer coaches podcast. And Hugh then said to me, he said, you know what, maybe it is time. Maybe we, you know, guy and me, maybe we shouldn't be behind the scenes. Maybe we should step forward and be noticed and be recognized. And I wrote back, it's more than time. How do you feel about that? Yeah, yeah. it's true. It's true. It, it's, it's too long has been, uh, been put down and not just the black soccer coaches, Native Americans, the Spanish doll all together, Asians, they've all got something to contribute because when you look at some of these other teams and watch them play, it's like, oh my gosh, how they do that? Yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's there. All we have to do is put it together and let it blossom. And, and, and are I you, know, Dina, I tell you, yeah. you're in a great position, I tell you, because you can, help pull all these things together well and i'm gonna i'm gonna keep putting it together and i'm gonna keep giving the platform because like i told you when i walked in i've known lincoln forever and here lincoln up there saying you know it's our time and we need to own some things and that type yeah. of thing it just was it was it was so moving so i guess i want to end with this you know when you think about from where you were to now and you think about the way united soccer coaches has 
push forward so much dedicated time to these different minorities to have a platform where, I mean, I'll be honest with you, guy, I hope a year from now I'm talking to you and we don't even have to say the word black. That's real progress, right? So from where you sit, thinking about that Saturday night and moving forward and knowing what Nicole has done and knowing now what Andrew will do as a, I mean, the only, the only thing bad about Andrew is he's too darn good looking. You know what I mean? Guy like yeah. you, you know I mean? You can hang with him, but I can't cause he's too good looking, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the, the future though, I mean, just how are you feeling about the future? I want to end with your thoughts on the future for the black soccer coaches community. Cause I see a bright light. I hope you do. Yes, I do too. I see everything coming together and opening up more opportunities. There's more head coaches, men and women, getting uh, opportunities to to show what they can do. I was hoping that uh, one of my daughters, I was hoping that she would have made the the national team. She came close, got the regionals and everything. I used to play against Carly Lloyd. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and I had to, I had to play against her for uh, four years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, and uh, we did manage to beat them one time. But okay. uh, yeah, so I, I see Carly every now and then. My daughter and my granddaughter have been doing some assistant coaching on of their children. So I said, okay, come on. Give me a little bit more. Can you, you know, you want to go further with this, you know? Yeah. I'm trying to get them in there because with the one daughter, a lot of times I wasn't telling her what to do. I was asking her different things. From what she had learned from being on the on the state teams and stuff like that. So that helped me also a lot of things. All know, right. I was doing well, let me ask one more question before we say goodbye, because I feel like you are a man uh, with so many pearls of wisdom who has given so much, who's probably Thank been, you. yeah, I mean that, has probably been through a lot, you know, you've probably taken two steps forward and five steps back and, you know, we keep doing that, but man, did we take five big steps forward on that Saturday night and I'm still, as I've said, you know, a million times, I'm still so moved by it that I'm not going to slow down in in my little tiny role in this thing. But here's my question, you guys, and we're going to end with this. If young members right now in the 30 under 30 class are starting to have more color, I mean, you look at our national team for men and women, I mean, pretty soon there's going to be, you know, 10 black players out there for both of them. You know, it's coming. I mean, and and that means we need to have the same representation for the coaches. So, your message, young coaches of color right now, and you, the great thing about you, you've already said, I don't care about color. They can be Asian, they can be Indian, they can be whatever. I don't care. But if they're listening right now and want to be a coach in today's world moving forward, what's your pearls of wisdom for them, Guy? Well, we probably come from my martial arts and my karate style. Nana karobi yaoke. Fall down seven times, get up eight. Ah, I'm so glad I say that because, by the way, Mike Curry did tell me that you and Chellis Heinemann are the two people he would take into any fight anywhere in the world because (laughs) (laughs) of your amazing martial arts. So actually, all right, I lied. I got to ask one more question because you're fascinating. How did you get into martial arts? And I know it's a big part of your life. It started probably uh, years ago when I was in the PAL around 10 years of age up in uh, Dover, New Jersey. Okay. I got into 
into the boxing. They also had a judo part. My father had been a professional boxer years ago. Okay. Out of Baltimore and Philadelphia uh, under Benny Leonard. And when Benny Leonard was going up for the championship, my father was his sparring partner. And Benny Leonard said, I'm glad I don't have to go up against you. <laughs> so, so dad had some quick hands. So, but he wouldn't let me go into the uh, Golden Gloves because he said, go in the Golden Gloves and said, you're a novice. He said, all that means is that you've never had a professional fight. You may have been in the gym for 10 years or more. Okay. He said, so no, I'm not going to sign for you. And the two guys I went up and uh, trained with, one was a heavyweight and one was a lightweight. Lightweight was a uh, young Puerto Rican. I thought he was younger than me, but he was about 22. Fast hands, hit like a mule. Oh, he was hard. So I had to box him, spar with him. Then I also had to spar with the heavyweight. So that got me into that. But then I got into the, in the Air Force. Uh, they had a judo team up in uh, Maine. And that's where I started. And in fact, when I went to, to Japan and continuing that, that's where I met my karate instructor was in Japan. And uh, unfortunately, he just passed away in uh, February. All right. Well, let's say it one more time since we got the martial arts story in. As I said, what do you want to say to these young coaches of color that want to be a coach in today's world? Say it one more time in, I guess that's Japanese. What language is that? Yeah, Japanese. All right. Say it one more time and tell us what it means. And that's how we'll say yeah. goodbye, guy. Right. Nana Karobi Yaoki. Fall down seven times. Get up eight. Get up eight and keep on going with the Black Soccer Coaches community and United Soccer Coaches. He is their historian. He is a legend, a successful coach. He is the man that is no longer behind the curtains. We're pushing him forward. Guy Cornish Jr., thanks so much for being on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast and all you have done for the Black Soccer Coaches community because it is limitless, Guy. Great to have you on, my man. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been great, Dean. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been greater than great. When we return, we'll visit the leaders of the Three Old Goalies podcast. What a great visit with Guy Cornish Jr. on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. As a soccer coach, you're no stranger to developing your players. But how are you developing your own expertise? As a United Soccer Coaches member, you receive access to a range of resources, like our online learning platform, The Training Ground, to aid in the growth and enhancement of your coaching skills and career. From coaching education courses to lifestyle services, take advantage of new opportunities and member benefits with an annual United Soccer Coaches membership for just $125. Join the home of all coaches today at unitedsoccercoaches.org. Welcome back to a jam-packed United Soccer Coaches podcast. I love this show. This might be my favorite show we've done, and I've done a lot of them, by the way, as we like to put the spotlight on other podcasts and other cool people. And there's a great podcast that's out there called Three Old Goalies. You can learn more about them by going to threeoldgoalies.com, but make sure you type in T-H-R-E-E oldgoalies.com. Who are those three old goalies? Well, they're Greg Deutsch, Eric Valter, and John Boa. Eric Valter can't join us, but Greg and John are here. And Greg, I'm going to start with you, but first I'm going to say 
It's about ex-U.S. collegiate and professional American soccer goalkeepers with more than 100 years of global sporting goods industry leadership take on the state of the beautiful game here in the colonies. Their guest list is off the charts. We'll talk a little bit about that. But, Greg, I'll go to you first with what I hope is a Cliff Notes version on how this all started and when it started, Greg. All right, I started a few years ago, Dean. First, thanks for having John, me, and Eric Vodder on. Obviously, EV can't get on right now. Hopefully, he will. But it started with EV getting sort of upset and wanted a way to express some views. And so he kept saying he'd do it, he'd do it. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, whatever. One day, all of a sudden, in the mail, shows up a microphone and a headset. So I knew we were real. And that's how we started a few years ago. We've been doing it uh, for about three years. We've had about 35 episodes. We're now celebrities since in January. We upgraded to get this on YouTube. So if you look at uh, the number three Old Goalies podcast, you'll see a bunch of uh, YouTube programs come up with us on it. And we've had an absolute delight doing it. I do want to say that none of these three are actually old, by the way. So everybody (laughs) needs to know that. Again, you can check it out at Three Old Goalies. Dot com. You guys even have merchandise, right? I mean, you guys are the real deal. We have merchandise. I don't know if we sold any. I know we have stickers. <laughs> At least is what I'm told by uh, John and Eric. I have not seen the, the stickers, but he, he says he has them in his house. So I'll, I'll go to John on that. Maybe he's seen them. I haven't. I, I have not. Hi, Dean. It's good to talk to someone in, in, in Raleigh. <laughs> uh, I know I'm you said Raleigh. Spent- Yes. Yeah. The old North State, North Kakalaki. No, <laughs> a Bone, I do not know. And we, and we do call Greg Deutsch Mudbone, Dean. We, we have to talk about that off air. Why? But I don't know anything about the stickers. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, well, here's what I do want to do. Before we learn about some of the guests and how much fun you're having with this, I like to get to know the people I'm talking to, and I like to get to know the, the three hosts. I know Eric's not here, but somebody will have to speak for him. But first, John, let's start with you. What's your story? Like, where did you play? What's your sporting goods background? And then, Greg, I'll have you do the same. Then I'll have one of you speak for Eric. Well, I was too good to play at Bayern Munich, so I had to go to uh, back to where I was born, Vicksburg, Mississippi. <laughs> Eric, Eric Vauder saw me getting shelled by North Texas at an ODP camp. Some people don't even know what ODP is anymore. He and my mom hooked up and said, look, you can come train with us in the summer in Durham, where he was the general manager of Eurosport, which is now soccer.com. And then the brothers Moylan and I ended up being pals. And I ended up working there while I was in college. And for me, being where I was from, it was a wonderful experience because I got to train in the summer with the Carolina and the Duke guys, okay. which was a different level for me, obviously. Then I got to go around the country, Naval Academy, Illinois, Texas, all over the place in a big truck with all this stuff in it, working soccer camps. So I was working and training. And so my football IQ from the time of 18 to 20 just went through the roof. It's like being an NFL quarterback as a goalkeeper. It's the more you see, right? Mm-hmm. So I uh, kind of translated that into, went down to Miami after college and uh, coached at the College of Boca Raton, which was all English and South African guys. Sat on the bench in the APSL and the USL. I played a little bit for about three years. Then went to the University of Akron to be Kenny Lola's assistant. You probably know Kenny. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was there for three years and then kind of got into the business world. Went down to Wilmington, North Carolina, where Al Pastore and EV had bought a USL team. Okay. So I was the first GM there in 96. 
then went to run sales and marketing for Lotto in Dallas. Mm-hmm. We used to run the Dallas Cup, which we've talked about a few times on our show, and then went to work for Reebok for about six years when everyone was bailing out. I ended up being the, the last guy. But the great thing about being a Liverpool fan is that we had Liverpool at that time. So I got to go to Anfield about 50 times for free. You know, see Steven Gerrard when he was 16 and hang out with Sammy Lee and that kind of thing. So then I had little kids, raised them, and now I live in Boulder, Colorado. And I do some sporting goods stuff, but I do some some dot-com work. I do some tech work. And and I basically make fun of the U.S. Soccer Federation and the MLS in my free time. Wow, what a great story. I love Boulder. You know, I was the original voice of the Colorado Rapids. and we, I know, I know. I, yeah, my first son was born in Colorado. We try to make it turning it around the Rapids, too. Yeah. Robin Frazier, yeah. Robin Frazier, love that guy. I've known him mm-hmm. forever. All right, Greg, tell us your story right. because okay, I know so. you and I have, know, have met each other a long time ago, but unfortunately, I don't think I logged it, but tell me your story. All right, so I'm from Cincinnati, born and raised. I, I'm a two-time state high school champion at a school called Finneytown High School. From there, went to, interesting story, I was recruited by Akron a little bit, and then all of a sudden, they ghosted me, and I never found out for <laughs> several years later when I ran into a coach named Roy Messer, who was the assistant, and he was actually uh, one of my clients. I'm one of the owners of Soccer Village, which I'll get into here in a second. And I asked, hey, Roy, what's the story? How come you didn't recruit me? Well, you know, we wanted a little bit taller keeper. I'm like, okay, no problem. How come you couldn't say anything to me? Anyway, was heading toward the University of Tampa. And if you remember the Rowdies back in the uh, late 70s, there was uh, one of their players who was a coach, and I was all fired up. And all of a sudden, uh, he resigned. And then... uh, if you remember, and I think you got to do Jay Miller, he took over the program and he said he had his own keeper and he brought him in. So I had to look somewhere else and had a meet just from Warren Wilson College led by Hank Steinbrecher and my high school coach talked to him and they needed a keeper to come in, maybe sit a year and then play the next few years and went down there and met Eric Vodder, who was an All-American there, sat behind him for a year. Then Hank was leaving to go to App State, and back then there, there was no portal like there is now. And so I uh, ended up transferring. I wanted to learn more about goalkeeping, and my choices were, John Bo, you'll, you'll like this, University of New Haven led by Dr. Joe Machnick, who wow. was uh, the coach there. Remember Steve Parker, he was at Alderson Broadus, and yep. University of Central Florida. So I'm making, making my decision up in uh, February, and you guys can probably figure out the temperatures in the other cities I mentioned, West Virginia and Connecticut and Orlando. Well, <laughs> went to Orlando, played under Jim Rudy, got drafted by the St. Louis Steamers, uh, the MISL, back in the days when they were averaging about 20,000 people, Slobo and a bunch of United States players that we only read about in Soccer America. So it was sort of a dream come true talking to uh, Ty Keogh and just a bunch of guys who played on the uh, United States team at that time. And then sort of did that little journey, was bouncing around with the Steamers and the Kansas City Comets, Wichita Wings. And, you know, I was driving home after getting cut from Kansas City or Wichita, and I'm like, time to move on. It's that numb feeling where you know it's time to move on. And so uh, ended up running a soccer store back in the day when they really didn't have a soccer store here in Cincinnati. And then a few years later, met one of my, uh, my partners and we decided to open Soccer Village. And seven stores later, here's where we are. So 
while we uh, we were doing that, I also got to work with Duke Campy. He got me uh, <laughs> a gig down there, which was great. Met some great people. Ken Lola was one of them. Great uh, Tom, you know, Tom Stone mm -hmm. was another, the uh, Texas Tech coach. Just incredible. You know, you got the Beckenbauer turf shoes, you know, from the <laughs> camp, which, you know, that's all you cared about back then because they were so hard to get. Then from there, got into coaching and ended up coaching the Cincinnati Cheetahs in the USISL. As John alluded to in 96, he was coaching in, uh, uh, wh wh where were you coaching there, John, in 96, you said? Um, Wilmington Hammerheads. Okay. It was, it was uh, basically the third Cheetahs. division. Yeah, so Cincinnati Cheetahs. Yeah. So, you know, did that, uh, you know, and, and as we know, coaches get hired to get fired. So about a year and a half got fired from that and have just stayed very, very active in the sport. This summer will be my 42nd annual goalkeeper camp sponsored by Roy Shen Bayer Aspirin. Uh, that last part's a joke. <laughs> Um, but, um, Royce, as you can see, or you can't see, uh, John, I like the sweatshirt you're wearing with Royce on it. So, uh, oh, yeah, here. yeah, so nice. We love nice. Dave Banning, yeah. So, uh, the, the motto dean of my camp, you'll like this Royce does Deutsch, pretty cool. You get a, you get a, uh, a goalkeeper shirt that says that, you get another t shirt with has mottos on it. And you come up with 42 different mottos sometimes, is, as you can imagine, very <laughs> challenging. So, uh, Try to hook people up, try to help people. I'm very involved in the college world of um, recruiting. Try to help girls, boys all over the country. Doesn't matter for free. I'm out of service. I just obviously been in business 39 years and know a lot of people. I'm not on an ego trip. Just try to help people. I don't care. D1, D2, D3, NAI, doesn't matter to me. And now, of course, I'm helping people in the portal who are scared to death you know, where their next move is. So, uh, you know, as you've seen, Dean, the last, since January, tried to hook you up with a few people for your business as well. Uh, along with John Bo, matter of fact, uh, tried to hook him up a few times. So. I love it. I love both you guys. And then tell us, uh, you, you kind of touched on a little bit, but give me the Eric Valder story. And then I've got more questions for you guys because I'm totally yeah. digging this. John, I'll start. You can chime in anytime. So Evie's from New Hampshire and ended up going to Warren Wilson because his father was a pilot and said, you need to come visit. And I believe that's, he took him on a plane ride. They went to Asheville. He loved it there and was an All-American there and then played for the New York Apollo. He's got some great stories there in the American Soccer League. Obviously, he was a goalkeeper instructor, a mentor for so many people we all know. I'll try to remember all these schools. John, jump in here. He worked at Duke. He worked at Sagamon State, Vanderbilt. Appalachian Charlotte, State. Appalachian State. I might have missed one here or there. Oh, you um, missed about 100. <laughs> so, so the high school for the well, famous Gary Avedikian. Yeah. Mentors, Whitney Gibson, John Bush. Troy Perkins, MLS. Yeah, Alex Deegan, Troy Perkins. Uh, just a swath. Will, Will <laughs> um, Hesmer. Yeah, wow. a lot of MLS guys. Yeah, yeah. So, John, anything you want to add to uh, my quick? No, story? you know, uh, Dean, you know, at that time in the 80s and 90s, everyone was kind of putting together a living, right? So you would coach a club team, a high school team. You might play in the USL or the APSL. Adidas would give you some free stuff. <laughs> and then you would train goalkeeper. If you're a goalkeeper, you're like, oh, you know, uh, nobody can train a goalkeeper. All you got to do is kick the ball at them. Okay, but there's like this whole mystery about so you're a field player and yet you can't cross the ball and you can't hit it on goal. Okay, I get it. All right, whatever. So, like people like Greg and EV, especially, you know, you go, you drive two hours at five o'clock in the morning from Cincinnati to Dayton or 
you know, Raleigh, Durham to Charlotte, train a goalkeeper, then drive back and work. So, <laughs> so the first one would be like pitch dark, you know, with a glowing ball at your forehead. And then you'd have your second session around six. Then we have number three ending at nine and we have to go work. But yeah, he, he's been a, a real role model for me in a number of ways. Uh, I was kind of the the genesis. I was probably the worst of his goalkeepers, but I was the first. But, you know, I was done. I was already coaching at Akron when the MLS started. We're here with two of the three stars of Three Old Goldies, the podcast. Again, you can check out their website at threeoldgoalies.com. Remember to write out the word three, T-H-R-E-E-O-L-D-G-O-A-L-I-E-S.com. And I got to take back one of my comments um, because you guys are old and so am I, by the way. So <laughs> it, it definitely works for me. <laughs> Three old goalies. I mean, you're talking about Tom Stone was the my first analyst back in 1996, almost 30 years ago. And I've, I've even called games with Will Hesmer, who is not old. In fact, I think he's like Benjamin Button. That guy looks younger every day. I think that's what money buys you, uh, that youth as well. <laughs> but um, here's one of the things that I think I like. If I heard it right, and Greg, thank you so much for coming back into my life and John, you as well, but Greg, you've been such a, a, I mean, such, I mean, you do help people. I love that. I help people as well. So I love that mentality, but the way I understand it, when you guys started and I love your logo, the three of you are sitting around a microphone talking because I think when you first started, that was the, what you guys did, right? You kind of just sat around and and talked about things and weren't afraid to drop F-bombs and, the S word and all that other stuff, things that we don't normally say on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. And then you evolved into having guests on. Is that fair? Evie wanted it to be, you're at the convention, you're at a bar, having some chicken wings, drinking beer <laughs> and talking soccer. That's exactly what he wanted. He didn't want us talking about, you know, the world of soccer. There's a bunch of people who get paid to do that, um, as we all know. We wanted to really sprinkle it about the collegiate scene, the MLS, the NWSL, more, you know, the United States stuff as opposed to the foreign. The foreign stuff, you know, John Bo's done a great job with his pro around the world. And as far as, you know, dropping the F-bombs and S, <clears throat> first, I don't do any of that. I, I give that to, to Evie and uh, Mr. Comedian John Boa. <laughs> So it's taken off in a direction I don't think we ever imagined. And obviously we have a lot of connections and we're not afraid to ask people to be on the show. We've had some, you know, very entertaining guests and our lists, you know, John, just in case you didn't notice, I filled up a whole page of people. I know Dean can get us a few. He's given us the contacts for uh, Tony Miola. So it's totally, you know, different Dean. And I, I love this when I asked Dean, John, what his, you know, if you could sum up your podcast, Dean, he says, yeah, it's more about loving flowers and I started laughing I'm like totally the opposite of us <laughs> well somebody's got to have the loving flowers and somebody's got to have the chicken wings and a couple of drinks and and talking soccer I love it certainly welcome all you know I wish Eric could have joined but definitely welcome all of you guys and John I get the sense you know based on your career and we probably did have a beer at some time during Raleigh because I mean I love the Moylands I love Durwood in fact my son played soccer with the Moylands I remember sitting next to Mike Moylan and and I yep. remember telling Mike, I said, man, I feel like just getting you a T-shirt that says, you know, I own soccer.com. What do you got? You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty it's strong. Like the, yeah, it's like the um, Harrison Ford has the T-shirt that says, I'm the Blade Runner, Indiana Jones, and Han Solo. Go f*** yourself. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, I thought that was always kind of, 
you know, and you know, Michael's still like down down low and and, and key and Durwood, you know, was the absolute opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so he's that he's that shy of a of a conversation. But yeah, the uh, good, good, good boys for for sure. And I, I do miss the Raleigh, the triangle, but I do not miss the Skeeters or the humidity. Dude, you live in Boulder, man. That's God's yeah. country out there. So you're doing fine. Trust me. Looking at the looking at the Rockies right here, Dean. Yeah. Amen, yeah. brother. I love it. I had a great time. Twi- I had two stints out there. One, I started with U.S. soccer, where my first boss was Hank Steinbrecher, who wow. also happened to be the guy that said, hey, I know you were dying to get out to Colorado, but we're moving to Chicago. And he and I still joke about that because while Chicago is cool, there's nothing better than Colorado Springs and the USOC. So I love that as well. Hey, you just did Hank Steinbrecher, which was amazing. You just did Ralph Lundy and then the other Ralph, who I also love, completely different character than Ralph Lundy, for sure. Ralph Polson. But talk about some of the other great guests. You said you have a list there, Oh, Greg. my gosh. I'll tell you a funny story with Michelle Akers. So usually one of the three of us have a contact and email something. We had absolutely nothing on this one. The three of us definitely believe she's the greatest female player on earth, period. Four. Count it four. four. Yep. Okay. Yep. Excellent. And she went to UCF. So I got to, you know, she was there when I was there. So, you know, I've seen her at convention. Very, very nice person to me. I asked Hank, hey, could you get me your number? And he says, yeah, but, you know, don't be surprised. She might ask for a fee. I'm like, a fee? (laughs) We have no money. (laughs) We don't have a nickel. And he goes, I'm just saying, you know, you know, she's at, you know, she's at that level. I'm like, okay, I respect that. You know, we'll see what happens. So I called her, I leave her a message. She sends me a text and says, hey, well, what's the show about? So I ask EV to send her a little, just a little text, you know, summarizing it. Well, he does, but it's really not what I wanted. So I call her up and I'm driving to work. And I remember this like it was yesterday. She answers the phone. I'm like, oh, my God, this is no voicemail. Hey, it's Greg. How are you doing? Hey, good, good, good. Hey, just want to let you know more about the program. You know, we're going to have you on. We want you on to talk about your career, women's soccer in the U.S., things like that. And she says, yes. And I'm waiting. I'm waiting for her to say, and... She doesn't say anything. I'm like, okay, cool. We'll send you a Zoom link. It's on a Sunday night. She goes, okay, hey, no problem. I hang up the phone. Dean, I walked into work and I'm like, I don't care what happens today. I don't care if I don't get any business. I lose every bid I'm out there for. I don't care. I'm getting, I'm, you know, I conquered it, right? I call up EV. I'm like, I'm so just excited. And he's the other way. Okay, that's really good. All right, I'm glad we're, you know, I'm glad you got her. I'm like, we're getting Michelle Akers on. Do you understand? Yes, sit down, man, sit down. I get it. And so, you know, we had Michelle Akers. It was incredible. Some of the stories, if you haven't listened to it, first is very, very inspiring. And she forgot a lot of things that, of course, I dug up. Dean and John, you know, I would dig up some things in a great way. And she would even say, you know, hey, I forgot about that and go into it. So we had, you know, her on. Obviously, you mentioned Hank Steinbrecher. We had him on Dean for six hours. So that was broken into three two-hour episodes. The stories there, I can tell you, are phenomenal. The whole time you're like, what the hell? That's all you keep saying. Just incredible. We had Jurgen Summer on. Everyone forgets this, uh, including you probably, Dean. He was not recruited by IU. Coach Yegley told him, you know, we really don't have room for you. You'd be the fifth string. He's like, that's okay. Preseason came. Yegley didn't even have a, uh, a dorm room. He said, hey, you have to stay in a hotel. And Jurgen's like, that's fine. And I think, you know, the rest is history. 
So, you know, we had him on. We had the famous uh, Robbie Church, who we all know and love. He's definitely one of the funnier ones on there. He did it from his beach house. And he kept saying, you guys, aren't, you're not going to get me fired, are you? You're not going to get me fired. So well, The thing is, you know, too, about these coaches, especially college coaches, we had Butch Lawfer in Texas, who's a you know very, very great show. But these coaches come on our show, Dean, with their freaking dogs. So they're sitting here. And I don't know why that is, Bone. We got to get into this. But they're sitting there with these dogs, like, like either whining or, and, and then you hear them yelling at their wives, like, Susan, come get this, you know, <laughs> they're trying to answer like about the losing to Duke two to one or, you know, the, the, the tenants of the five man midfield and they got like a Rottweiler at their ankles. But anyway, <laughs> they've all had that. I don't know why. Yeah. You know, and we, we had Becky Burley on, who's a friend of ours. We had, and we do some of those times, as you saw. Dean, we have a special calling guest, so they have no clue. So Becky was surprised because we had her mentor, Joe Pereiro and Robbie Church on. We've had Aubrey Bledsoe, who's on the uh, United States uh, national team. She's had a few caps. She's a goalkeeper, and she's from Cincinnati. We had her brother, Micah Call. She was totally surprised. We had the first one of two, I believe, uh, females to coach a NCAA team into the uh, NCAA tournament and Kim Wyatt at NYU. She was great telling the Marta stories. Uh, we had the most famous uh, agent in the U.S., Richard Motzkin, on, who, by the way, Dean, Evie and I had him on about 20, 30 years ago on a radio show that we did called uh, Soccer Today. He had some great stories, including uh, the Freddie Adu story and Alexi Lawless story. And that was you know, pretty, you know, pretty good. Obviously, we've had Bushy on. We're about to release the second one with him. In case you guys forgot, he got fired from the Scottish Premier League and came back to the U.S. And I'll leave it at there. Sort of a little spoiler. Eric Emler from Quick Go On with uh, John O'Rourke, who used to work there as well. John mentioned Dave Banning from Royce. We've had him on. We've had Charlie Dunphy from Select on. So our 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 list is you know pretty pretty good. Of course, we had Dan Gaspar on, and I'll tell you, Dean, I was so pumped up because I wanted to hear i wanted to ask this question and which uh, was just bugging me like you're in iran you're an american what was that feeling like you know if you lost the game did you think you were going to get shot or stabbed or something like that just because you're an american but his stories were incredible with tanks coming down the street and uh, bombs blowing up in countries that they went to just incredible we had peter wilt if you can remember him you know yeah. with the indoor scene of course um just phenomenal um, just on things he did. Bob Warming, who never got fired as a coach, but coached at like four or five places, uh, <laughs> designed his own stadiums, you know, at Penn State, at SLU, at Creighton, Omaha. He had great, great stories. Uh, Bill Hempen, starting, a pro you know, starting two programs and how he got the job at Duke was funny. I don't know if you ever heard that story. Basically, Randy got a phone call from his AD and he said, hey, I, I got to leave the room. He comes back and he says, uh, guess what? Uh, you're the new women's coach. <laughs> <laughs> so just incredible stories like that, that, you know, you, you can't make up. One, Dean, we'll, we'll trivia for you. First ESPN college soccer sportscaster. And you, know the guy, and you know the guy personally. Is it Bob Lee or? No, is it, it is not Bob Lee. The first. It was JP Della Camera. That uh, was the first coach. Nope. It was a guy you definitely know. He stopped the Pele PK. He stopped the Pele PK. Bill Nuttall? Bingo. <laughs> wow, the Golden Viking. He's probably my, I mean, he's my favorite general manager I've ever worked with. And 
I would say 90% of the names you mentioned, I've either had them on the podcast or have spent personal time with. I mean, oh, yeah. Jurgen, Jurgen Summer, I was with uh, the 92 Olympic team and the 94 World Cup team, and he was just happy to be there. And then Jurgen, when he got injured at MLS, I did a small stint. So after we had our first son in Colorado, my wife grew up in Brazil and could not deal with the snow. So get back to North Carolina, I went to Mooch Myronik, who we helped hire where we went from worst to to almost first. We made it to the MLS Cup, and we started a farm team in Raleigh that was directly connected to the Colorado Rapids. So that was my way of creating my my own job. And Jurgen Summer needed a place to rehab, so he came there and and rehabbed. And then I brought in John Hartz for a special day, and I brought in Thomas Dooley for a special day. We played – remember when Kansas City had Lalas, Miola, Henderson, Precky – we brought all those guys in the whiz. For, yeah, for a special day. So I love all those connections. Then Michelle Akers, ironically, I always MC the kickoff event for the USYS national championships and Michelle Akers. It did, it did it cost a fee, by the way, a, a very substantial fee. It didn't cost me a fee, but it cost USYS a fee. And uh, I was glad she got it. Cause you know, what she does with the horses is amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I love all those people that you named the podcast folks is called three old goalies.com. It stars John Boa, Greg Deutsch and Eric Vauder. John and Greg are here with us. The guests are outstanding. Can you give me an idea on how regular, <laughs> not how regular you are, John, don't go there. How regular the podcast airs. Can you tell us? That's a really good question. <laughs> what, we, what we've been trying to do is two hours every other Sunday night. Okay. Because every because people still coach, right? I don't, and I think EB just retired, but Bone is on the field all the time. So he's at the office all day at Soccer Village, and then he has to go to the field. So we're trying to do every other Sunday two hours, and then we're breaking those into like we have Dean Linky on, which we have to do now. This is great. <laughs> um, we'll we'll break it in half, and we'll so we'll have a, a show every Sunday. You know, doing it with my mouth, it's very difficult to do a live show. <laughs> Because the F bomb is is like the easiest thing or the, the the mildest thing I should say that you might hear from me, especially if I'm if it's like if Liverpool just lost, boy, it's gonna well, be yeah. just so you know, you already did drop an F bomb and I'm trying to figure out how I tell my director what, what he's gonna do with that because I don't know if they're gonna let that one through. We're I think we're gonna have to do that bleep sound. He, he, on he it. can he can edit it out just the bottom <laughs> part about Harrison Ford, you know. So um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so we're trying to get it so it's, it airs every Sunday. Uh, Ryan, our producer, has done a wonderful job with that and social media and cleaned it up a little bit. At the beginning, we were doing it during the pandemic from Nashville, Cincinnati, and I was at my dad's in Mississippi because we were selling like 100 acres of land during the pandemic. We had nothing else to do. <laughs> so uh, much like they do in the soccer house in Chicago. That's kind of what we modeled it out. Hey, we had nothing else to do. So, <laughs> We're just gonna start a meaningless, a meaningless thing. The World Cup, who cares? You know. So anyway, so we started that way, and it was it was brilliant. Uh, so we're we're trying. And then I had to get away for a little while. And I came back, so it, it's good. It is good, and the podcast is great. And all three of you are outstanding. I'm really bummed that Eric couldn't join. Three old goalies. Now, I said I wasn't going to ask it, but I'm still curious. So it falls under the delusion group, which is kind of epic talking to both of you guys, especially you, John. What is that delusion group? What is no, that? I think it's just Ryan's like a little ad agency, isn't it, Greg? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Awesome. And, because I have and, a very original name for my company, Dean. It's called uh, the John Boa Media Company, which was a joke, <laughs> like the Michael Scott Paper Company on the office. <laughs> I never thought I would do anything with it. I just kind of, you know, who else is going to get that URL, right? So right. I did it. Next thing I know, I'm like running a business, and people are like, wow, you're pretty full of yourself, aren't you? I'm like, well, that's kind of the opposite. <laughs> That is awesome. (laughs) Threeoldgoalies.com is the name of it. And it sounds like it's, it's booming, right? Have you guys, are you making money off it? Am I allowed to ask that question? Yeah, you can ask it. You can help it. You know, obviously, uh, uh, no, we are not. We, we are trying. That's why I think Ryan has definitely quote unquote gotten us to the next level with all these social media and the affiliates and all that stuff where you do make money. So, you know, we're asking for people to give thumbs up, to give comments, to subscribe, all those things where depending what YouTube and Spotify's requirements are to make money, we're definitely chasing that, you know, and I keep joking with some people like, Hey, just remember us, you know, because, um, if you remember the two guys who do the English broadcast, they started sort of like us, you know, men in blazers, men in blazers. So yeah. they started like that. They got their own cable thing and look at them now. So who knows? Where well, we're, you know? yeah, we're used to the Lamar Hunt model, Dean. <laughs> so we're going to start with all this energy and cash and end up with no energy I had heart failure and then no dough. Because there's that famous quote that Lamar Hunt said, the only way to make a, a small fortune in American soccer is to start with a large fortune. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's different now, though, man. People are yeah. making money in soccer. Oh, it's amazing, yeah. right? Isn't it? From, yeah. where we, from where we sit and what we're watching now, I mean, I'm two hours away from, from Charlotte, and, I mean, yeah. they're getting 40000 a game. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. My son went, my son's in Charlotte, just graduated from college, and he went to the, he called it the NASCAR Derby, which I thought was kind of fun with Atlanta. Okay. Uh, yeah, and Atlanta beat him, but uh, he said the atmosphere was great. Yeah, my son lives half a mile from the Bank of America Stadium, and he's gone to some games, and he's not, he was a big, big time basketball player, so he's not quite as in the soccer as I am, but uh, he's enjoyed right. going to their games as well. That's awesome. Dean, you, you'll like our themes that we're trying to do. So I'll give you a, a little teaser here. The father-son coaching gig. All right. So Kenny Arena lives in town. We're trying to get him on so we can get Kenny and Bruce on, which I think would be great. Obviously, Todd and Jerry Yeagley, that'd be another great one, Division One title. I do send them links to the podcast. I always have uh, Jurgen with it. Brian Mazinoff, I also sent it to him, uh, along with Steve Franklin from Indiana Soccer. So they're all, you know, whether or not they listen to it, I don't know. I, I sure hope they do. But the third one you'll like, Dean, Division Two. a little trivia here. Who won it and then her son won it? And I believe you do know the people. Give me a hand. Uh, I've got to remember, in between, in between soccer, I'm calling fishing and women's gymnastics. So sometimes things <laughs> get a little bit gymnastics. clouded. <laughs> All right. When he would win at the Division II, the father would do some crazy things. I'll give you an example. He would walk like 26 miles on his knees, jump into ponds of uh, jello. I don't want to give our podcast away when I interview him. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Hit me. I have All no right. idea. Cliff McGrath. Oh yeah, Cliff and Steve. I just had Steve on the yep. show. Yeah, yep. okay, of course. Yeah, yeah, you do. You're right. I know him very well, Steve. Yeah, he was just on the show, and let me tell you, 
Steve's message was a whole lot different than your message <laughs> on that show. I found God like 57 times during that interview, by the way, with Steve. What a, what a, I mean, two great people. How about that? I love it. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to do you, that's did, one did series read... on the father son. So we want to do one this month, one next month and one in June, you know, you know, get all that. The other one I thought of is to do a husband wife. So like in your area, Shelly Smith and her husband at University of South Carolina. Danny we have, have them on all the time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we have. Um, you need to do uh, Tiffany Roberts. UCF, the yep, and, yep. and then a friend of mine who's a client of mine, uh, Terry St. John and her husband, Rob at Butler. So Ooh. got that theme. Don't know where it's going to go, but would like to, to do that. Um, yeah, you need to do that. I've had I've had all of them on, actually. They're all yeah. great, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Um, we're also going to do a we're also going to do a teammate show, Dean, and the first one's going to be with the arenas and the burr halters. <laughs> so we're since since the, since the wives were roommates in college. Now, if this makes through the edit, that would be amazing. But we thought make it. It's going to make it. It's got to stay. Yeah, it's got to stay. Yeah, I mean, it's tragic actually because I mean, we could sit around and and say Claudia, you know, the tough thing with him is at the Olympics and the World Cup, he was kind of banged up my cycle, right? 92, 94, yeah. obviously 98 and then 2002, he was amazing, right? And oh. talking about Claudia, he, he's one of the greatest players to ever wear, but that is just a, a tragic, tragic story. Um, I mean, these are people's lives and feelings and things that they should be able to deal with in private, right? 100%. I'm a big, pretty big Liverpool fan, as you may or may not know, but we'll know by the end of this call. Uh, it was funny on uh, Sunday, Arsenal were playing Liverpool, and the, the announcer said, Jesus heads in the cross. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> when, Jesus, when Jesus scored against Liverpool. <laughs> and I was like, he had to have been thinking of that all week. <laughs> Just praying that Gabriel Jesus is going to score. That's that's good stuff, man. You guys are fun. I definitely, you know, it's kind of like that uh, movie Stripes. You know, I want to hang out with you guys for sure. This has been great. I feel like we could definitely, I I see how you guys go six hours because uh, it's nonstop. And with all the people that you know that I've been lucky enough to run across as well is amazing. And I'll end by saying, you know, I do the rotary circuit and they ask me who's the greatest goal scorers you were around during your U.S. soccer time. And my answers are point blank. Michelle Akers, I mean, she struck mm-hmm. it like a man. Some mm-hmm. people don't know that Bora invited Michelle Akers, believe it or not, to train with the men, which was mm-hmm. incredible. I don't know what Tony Miola and some of those thought of that, but he, she came down and trained, took some shots against, I think, Miola and Jurgen and, and the gang. She was incredible. And then the greatest men's goal scorer that I was around, a little bit more of a, a tragic story, especially with his brother being dead, was Steve Snow. I mean, I was oh. with the Olympic team in 92, and I think he scored a goal in almost every Olympic qualifying game, if not every Olympic qualifying game. And then the last thing I'll tell you, I love that you're doing the father-son thing. I just got invited to MC the 50-year anniversary of Indiana soccer in Bloomington. They're oh, flying both me and my wife up there, May 20th, my birthday weekend, which is a tremendous honor when you think about the godfather, right? Um, it's yeah. going to be incredible. Right. Oh, and how about we this? We on here. We got Evie on, so we're not even done yet. They're called three old goalies. I'm not sure who the oldest is, but Eric. Oh, Vauder. that'd be me. That'd be me. That'd be Eric Vauder. All right, Eric. Well, tell you what. Eric, All right, Dean. How, how are you? I'm sorry for I'm sorry for joining the party late. 
No, I tell you, it's been a party. I mean, I, my, I have a very, very loud cackle and it has been on full display for this podcast <laughs> interview because uh, John and Greg are off the chains funny. But Eric, yeah, give us your take quick here as we're starting to wrap up our time. I mean, this is really cool. Three Old Goalies podcast. You can check them out at threeoldgoalies.com. I'm reminding everybody that you spell out the word three. But Eric, how much fun do you have with these two cats, John and Greg? This has been really cool. Oh, it's been, a, I mean, you know, for, from the inception of this, which I'm sure they told you was, you know, basically what we do at the convention every year, sit around the bar and tell soccer stories. When we had the idea, Greg and I sort of put it together and then we added Boa, which has been, the, you know, the lifeline of the podcast, to be honest with you, because, you know, Bone <laughs> and I can go down, get in the weeds and be boring, but but Boa adds a, <laughs> adds a, le- a levity to the to the whole thing that, that is some, somewhat, sometimes unexpected, but... Uh, seems to be working so yeah it's been a i mean it's been it's been much more fun than i envisioned we still want to keep it going because i'm sure these guys told you you know there's so many stories back you know sort of back in the day and you i don't want to sound like the get off my lawn guy but you know there were there were so many you know there were so many guys that helped build this sport that people don't know about and maybe you know maybe we can maybe we can help you know shed some light and be entertaining at the same time and you know, sort of my our our, our tag for the three old goalies is creative time wasting without the yellow card. So, amen. Uh, you know, so amen. that's that's kind of where we are. John did get a yellow. Probably should have been a straight red for dropping the f bomb. As I oh, yeah, well, how, yeah. to, how to edit that, but uh, I'm glad he did. Imagine because... that. <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, yeah, that's. Yeah, we're we're trying to get him a muzzle, but we can't find one that fits. So, but but to Bedeen, to Ed's point, I mean, really, in, in all seriousness, we were, I mean, we want to sharpen the acuity of people in the in the football EQ, and there's so much free stuff on YouTube and FIFA.com that people can really learn about Boban and Savicevic and who Eusebio was and, you know, Olaf Thon and whoever that doesn't resonate with them. Then we just do what the MLS does and we just make it up. (laughs) Our soccer, our way. If you don't like the MLS, then that's because it's different. So anyway, back to you, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is epic. Eric, uh, I know you joined late. We're we're running out of time. In fact, okay. this has been so great. What's going to happen is you guys are going to get bumped to be the primary guest next week because it's almost a, an hour long. So it'll air a week from Thursday. I hope that's okay, EB. Oh, but yeah. you know, they rattled off some guests. I'm going to put you on the spot. Like, Who's your top two guests that uh, you've had on the Three Old Goalies podcast? Again, you can check it out at threeoldgoalies.com. Uh, by far, number one is is Hank Steinbrecher, who we've we've Greg and I played for, uh, you know very well, and you know is is a font of information and and you know you talk about a guy with stories. Oh my goodness, you know. So he's by far our number one. I mean, number two is a toss up. We've had, I tell you, the one that surprised me the most was Michelle Akers, was by far the most surprising to me. You know, I was not involved a whole lot with uh, with the women's team, but you know, you talk about somebody that, if as a coach, you would love to play for you. I mean, she was just, you know, she was just amazing. So I would say probably those two were our, were my my favorites. Everybody, well, you know, it's like it's like who's your favorite kid, right? No, but, no, you you were pretty consistent because John and Greg, I think, shared that same sentiment, which is which is awesome. And it, I love what you're doing. I'm a very nostalgic person. 
Um, I've been doing this now broadcasting for 30 years. I've been involved in soccer for <laughs> since 1989. <Never. laughs> yeah. My, my, my first camp, by the way, while I was in college was in 89. And they said, hey, we're sending you to Santa Barbara. There's a guy named Anson Dorrance who's been winning national championships. <laughs> like, you know, I'm putting them like books on a bookshelf and they're getting ready for the first World Cup. So I go out and I was, a, I'm, I'm from Ohio. My high school I'm ashamed to say still doesn't have soccer, but I was a quarterback, basketball and baseball player and USOC picked me for the internship because I was a decent student and I got picked by canoe kayak and I got picked by US soccer. And I'm like, well, at least US soccer has a ball. Let's go with soccer. And they say, all right, Dean, your first assignment is go out to Santa Barbara. And I walk in and all of a sudden I see Michelle Akers cracking balls. I see crazy legs, Karen Jennings, Gabara doing her thing. I see April Heinrichs. I see this little tiny girl named Mia Hamm just blazing by people. Julie Foudy, Randy Jastain, Joy Fawcett, Lori Henry, Mary Harvey, Tracy Carla Oberbeck, Carla Oberbeck, who lives three miles from me now. And my son yep. and her son played AAU and high school basketball together, which is, you know, again, the world is so small and you guys yeah. have proven that in this interview, which has just been so much fun. I think we're probably making people's head spin, but I think in a good way. So yeah, Eric, those, those answers were great. And, you know, Michelle Akers right away, I was like, you know, I always wanted to be a broadcaster because, you know, truly I wanted to be an elite level athlete. Wasn't even close. Like you guys at least played, you know, professionally or almost played professionally. I think you all played professionally. I mean, you guys were legit. I, I was never that. So I'm like, all right, well, if I can't play it, I'm going to talk about it. And I take every, you know, every game serious because I know there's a grandma at home listening. And the minute I saw Michelle Akers, I'm like, oh my God, that is greatness walking on the soccer field. And you're right. She's a fascinating story. She didn't, you know, really capitalize on how great she was, right? In the sense that some of the other ones like Mia and those did, but still remains a genuinely authentic person. So this is awesome. All right. Last word time. If people heard Nothing at all about this incredible podcast. And I'm not saying that in a sycophantic way. This is cool. I mean, your logo's cool. I mean, right? And, and it really is. And threeoldgoalies.com. It's the Three Old Goalies podcast. Last word time. John Bo, I'm going to start with you to put, this, put the pressure on you. But if people heard nothing about what Three Old Goalies is all about, accept your comment right now. What do you got to say, my man? Well, as a sales and marketing guy, I got to say that this week and this week only, if you buy two podcasts, you get one free. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> Eric Valder, we didn't get as much time with you, but we'll have you guys back because you guys are really cool. And Greg's been so good good to me that I, I know we're going to stay connected for sure. But Eric, again, you didn't have as much time, but uh, because of that, what is your last word about what you want people to know about Three Old Goalies and Three Old Goalies podcast? Well, la my last word will be a paraphrase of Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh. Thanks for noticing us. Oh, I love that. That's very sweet. And Greg, I meant what I said. I mean, you've uh, come back to, into my life kind of as, as we saw Hank go into the United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame where, you know, I, by the way, when I was up there, I'm like, you know, I think I've done this, I don't know, five or six years. And Dr. Ray Sieplik went home and found out that I've done it 12 years. That just shows when you're having fun, you really have no idea. You wow. know what I mean? And you, Greg, you came up to me afterwards with Hank being there and it was awesome. Your last word. And, and by the way, thanks again, Greg, for coming back into my life. Yeah. Thank you for accepting me. Um, I, would say, <laughs> I, would, I would say, you know, because I thought you were going to ask this question. It's funny. And I would say this is sort of a 
a stroll through memory lane for for most of the people because of the history the history that we're telling as as John alluded to you know and you alluded to Dean that we we get some people today's you know kids that you know they barely even know who Pele is so to educate them of the important people who helped you you know soccer grow in this in this country is definitely the way that the three of us have attacked this to get the word out, if I could say it like that, because some people don't know these people, never heard of them, um, but the stories like we've been telling are just incredible. Whether they're funny, a lot of times you're like, did that really happen? I mean, Ralph Lundy, holy cow, the rat story. <laughs> Who, I mean, that was one of the funniest stories I've ever heard. Throwing rats in a trailer for Elmar to get his field made. Who would ever dream of that? <laughs> Oh, I love it. It's called Three Old Goalies. It could easily be called Three Cool Cats. You guys are awesome. John Boa, Greg Deutsch, Eric Walter. A wonderful interview. One of the best we've had on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Can't wait for it to air. And I want to thank all of you. John Boa, thanks for being on, my man. Dean, nice to see you again. Have a good sweaty summer in Raleigh. <laughs> Eric Balder, thanks for joining us late, but making it on as you're part of the Three Old Goalies. Eric, great to be with you. Dean, thanks for having us on. I appreciate it. And I'm, I'm sorry I had to be late, but uh, you got to take care of family. So there you go. Yeah, family first, but better That's late right. than never. I'm glad That's that right. you I'm glad that you popped in. And Greg Deutsch, uh, just just so awesome to reconnect with you. Thanks for making all this happen, Greg. Yeah, thank you, Dean. And get back to us on what Sunday you can do it for us. I know we want to get you on as soon as possible. I know your schedule is busy, but uh, boy, have I got a lot of questions for you when you get on our show. <laughs> All good. All good. Two hour, All two good. and a half hour episode. <laughs> oh, that'll be great. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. What a great time we've spent with the three old goalies. They've got a podcast. They've got a website, threeoldgoalies.com. John Boa, Greg Deutsch, Eric Valder. Take care, gentlemen. Thanks, buddy. See ya. Thank you. The Three Old Goalies and the Three Old Goalies podcast, a whole lot of fun, as you can tell. We're not done as we meet another member of our 30 under 30 class, Chloe Kane, by way of England. Great interview after these messages. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform from robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations. League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. If you listen to this show, you know this is my favorite part of the show when we meet another impressive member of our 30 under 30 class. No different today as we meet Chloe Kane, who's now an assistant coach at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. By way of England, though, that accent certainly will stand out, especially in Alabama. I can't wait for you all to hear that accent and hear this interview with Chloe Kane. Chloe, welcome to United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Dean, thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, I got so excited when I saw that uh, you grew up in England. So let's hear your path. How long did you live in England? What brought you to the States? Where did you play college? And what did you do before arriving at 
the University of Alabama, Birmingham. Chloe, don't be shy. Let's uh, fill in all the blanks, okay? All right, yeah. So born and raised in uh, the northwest of England, so a place that's very, very rich in uh, football culture. I live about an hour from Manchester, an hour from Liverpool, but I'm actually from a town called Morecambe. Born and raised there, lived there till I was 18. Growing up, me and my family had season tickets at Morecambe Football Club. They're in League One right now. So I was kind of raised following that team home and away. And I think that's where kind of my love for, for soccer stemmed from was just following that team. I kind of grew up wanting to, to play for Morecambe. I, I wasn't like a lot of the other kids my age who had the big aspirations of playing for the teams like Man United or Liverpool. For me, it was kind of always Morecambe. So when I was 16, I began playing with um, the ladies team there. Um, and played there for two years. And that was during my two years was when I kind of learned about coming out to the States and the opportunity to play over here. But honestly, I started the process super late. I was maybe October of my senior year where I seriously started looking into and considering coming out to the States. Uh, Very, very naive. I wish I knew now what I knew then um, about the collegiate system. So from there, it was how quickly can I get a, a highlights tape together, take the SAT and all those things that, that you need to, to be able to come out here and play here. So that led me, uh, I landed at Ancilla College, um, a very small rural junior college in, in Indiana and a place for me that I think coming out here was just a great fit. It really helped me kind of learn the collegiate system, get to know the level. Uh, The biggest difference for me right off the bat was just the physicality here. Like everybody is so fit, so athletic, and it was a good place for me to land and and really adjust uh, to the game here. So played there for two years and immediately just kind of fell in love with college athletics and the whole system and knew pretty then, like my sophomore year, as I was kind of looking to to transfer out of Ancilla to a four-year school. Then I was also thinking beyond that and looking at a lot of rosters like, oh, grad assistant um, and a path into coaching. So after my time at Ancilla, I went to Holy Cross College in South Bend, Indiana, which is very close to, to Notre Dame. So South Bend, very fun place to live. I was a part of a great program there with a, a great coach, Omar Gallo. I think he he helped me find my kind of passion to and drive to want to get into coaching. He gave me some some great opportunities uh, to coach a club there. And then last summer, more recently, uh, I coached with him in a WPSL team, but just a great guy, someone who's extremely passionate about the game. And yeah, we, we butted heads a little bit when I was a player, but I think that was because we had the same goal in mind. We're both very passionate. We both really wanted to win. And um, he's helped me so much along the way and someone who uh, is a great mentor to me. As my time's wrapping up at Holy Cross, start looking at grad assistant positions. And that was when I came across uh, Smith College and the ESS program there. This program, it's like, I don't know, like a diamond in the rough. Like, I feel like not a lot of people know about the program there, but the whole philosophy of the program is the development of coaches for female athletes. So I'm reading this, the ad for this 
this program on the NCAA marketplace. And I'm like, okay, like that's it. That's where I want to go. As a grad assistant, I think to have the, the education so closely aligned uh, to the field of work was really an awesome opportunity for me. And to be in that program, you know, there's, there's 24 people in the program and everyone is a grad assistant with one of the different sports or maybe strength and conditioning or athletic training. And just to be surrounded every day with like-minded people, people that are on the same path, but different sports. Um, it was just a really awesome place. And I feel like I learned so much from my peers at Smith and also just working in an athletic department that was so well run. So I'll actually graduate from Smith in like next month in May. So finishing out the program now online, but just recently um, transitioned into this, this new role at UAB. I've been here about five weeks now. So yeah, it's been a busy five weeks, but very happy to be here. I think the program's in a great place right now. We're a new coaching staff. We inherited a great program with with great foundations laid and I think and an athletic department that's very ambitious. Hopefully for us and a new coaching staff, we can continue to elevate the program and um, hopefully win some championships here, not in hopefully the, the near future. One word, brilliant, just a fascinating story in the way that you kind of knew where you wanted to go and you made it happen. I find fascinating and I don't mean to embarrass you, but the fact that you did it with that brilliant English accent even is more exciting. It's so awesome. Sorry, but I love it. And I was so excited when I saw where you were from back in England. Who's back there right now? How many family members who you got back there? Yeah. So my, all my family still lives over there. So pretty close with my, my parents, my mom, my dad. I have an older brother who, yeah, he's a big Morecambe fan too. My my grandma is is still there. That's kind of my immediate close support network. And then obviously I have uncles, cousins and aunts too. So, but yeah, that's my immediate circle and just have really been amazing and supporting me through this whole process. And yeah, I'm very grateful. I wouldn't be here today without them and their support. And I think my mom still has thinks that I'll be coming home next month, but <laughs> I think she's come around to the idea now that, that I'm here. And I mean, at the end of the day, they're just happy for me and happy that I'm here and I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing. And Chloe Kane, they had to be happy, even if they didn't know what it was, just the way it sounds, 30 under 30, you know, I mean, they had to be so excited when you were selected to be part of this 30 under 30 class. Share with me their excitement and your excitement. Yeah, I think they're, they're just really proud. There's a little bit, there's a lot of explaining from my part about a variety of different things in the co collegiate system. I don't know how many times I've gone over what the NCAA <laughs> is and how the, the different divisions work and, you know, being in division three and like now I'm in division one. It's, um, I think my dad thinks it's like promotion and relegation, but, <laughs> that. but yeah, it's, um, they're just super proud. And my, my mom and dad, like they just, they support me in what I do. And as long as I'm happy, then they're happy. So it's, yeah, for me, it puts my mind at ease. And yeah, I just know that they have my back no matter what. I meant when I said that your story is brilliant, 
how did you find out about United Soccer Coaches and the 30 Under 30 program? How did you find out about that, Chloe? Yeah, so United's once I got to Smith, we used to get the, the journals to our head coach. So I'd just kind of browse through the journals when they would come and then became a member through that too. So during my time at Smith, I, I worked under two head coaches there. So my first year was under a coach called Jeanette Boudway, who was just amazing in my transition from athlete to coach and really helped me along the way there. Someone who's still in my corner. And then my second year, this fall, I worked under Kathy Braun. Um, I love Kathy Braun. No yeah. way. Former yeah. Colgate coach. She's my girl. No way. Yeah. So, yeah. So Kathy, again, just another amazing mentor um, and someone that I feel like when I think of the coaches I've had the opportunity to, to work with and under, like I'm very blessed. Like they're all very rich in um, experience and yeah, they've helped me a lot along the way. So Kathy, this fall, um, it, She'd been a mentor in the the 30 under program before. So she said to, to me, and I don't know if you've done the podcast with Manu yet, who's also on the 30 under 30 this year, okay. uh, but she recommended that that we we apply. And yeah, lo and behold, me, me and Manu both, both got selected. So really awesome for us too. And yeah, it just to to kind of know someone on the cohort, and yeah, it's um it's been not not really looked back since. But yeah, Kathy was really kind of instrumental in in pushing me to apply, helping me with my application, and um yeah, here we are today. So grateful for them and allowing me to to be here. So Chloe, that means that Kathy's still coaching. She's still she's at Smith, the head coach at Smith. Is that yes? Yeah. Okay. So she's I just, didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Will you promise me that you'll reach out to her and say Dean Linky sends his best? And um, that was one of the highlights of this talk. Will you promise me you'll do that? I'll, I'll give her a text right right after this this call. All right. So who's the new Kathy Braun? Give me the coaching staff at UAB. Who are you working with? Yeah. So I'm working with head coach is uh, Lisa Mann. So Lisa previously had been at West Virginia State. Uh, for the last four seasons and Louisiana, the University of Louisiana before that. Uh, but in the last four years, she she basically began the program at, at West Virginia State. She was the first head coach there. And I mean, the record there speaks for itself. Um, she turned them into a great program competing on, on the national stage. And she she's done a really awesome job there. Someone who is extremely detail oriented about the game of soccer I mean I thought I love soccer but Lisa puts that to a whole new level um and just the, the footballing brain the passion the competitiveness that she has um yeah she pushes me every day and um it's a great environment to be in and then also Mark Hiller our associate head coach um who was at Delta State this last fall and for the previous three years, um, Louisiana before that with Lisa. But again, just another great person who knows the game like the back of his hand. And yeah, I feel very fortunate to be here and to have the opportunity to work from, you know, two amazing coaches who 
really know the game so well and at the same time great people away from that part of it too I feel fortunate to be spending this time with Chloe Kane, part of our 30 under 30 class. She already has a U.S. soccer D license. As she mentioned, she's been a longtime member, even at her young age of United Soccer Coaches. She has her English FA level one as well. You talk about a driven woman. It's Chloe Kane. So, Chloe, I am actually emceeing the 50th anniversary of Indiana men's soccer on May 19 and 20. They've won eight national championships. I know you were in South Bend. You weren't that close to Bloomington, but Indiana is a great state for soccer in general. Can you put into words what it was like spending that much time in Indiana? Yeah, I when I think back um, on my time living in, in Indiana, I, I kind of just look back with great fondness um I think from the moment I got there like one thing about Indiana is like the people are so kind um and just the support and the help that I received from the people there that really just made my transition so easy um and then living in South Bend itself it's a, a town that's we all know what South Bend is for, <laughs> and it, it's not necessarily soccer, but the soccer co community is is very rich there. And I think, you know, there's some great club teams in South Bend with Michiana Echo, who I had um, the opportunity to work with. And then, you know, Junior Irish, too, two great clubs. Um, and now with South Bend Lions being in South Bend, I think, it's just really exciting for, for the city to, to have that semi-pro team. And I'm really hopeful that not before too long now that we see an open age women's team in South Bend too. I think that's what the town really deserves and the young female soccer players of South Bend deserve. And yeah, I think it's, it's an exciting time to be involved in, in soccer in South Bend right now. And you can't really talk about that without talking about Notre Dame. And when you look at what their women's program achieved last fall, you know, it's amazing. And now you see Corbin Albert playing at PSG. It really speaks to, to what they have going on in that program there and excited to, to keep watching them too. Yeah. You know, NSCAA used to have a game of the week and we did several games at South Bend when Randy Waldrum who's now the Pittsburgh head coach was the head coach at Notre Dame. And he won, I, I think a couple national championships. And then Bobby Clark was there on the men's side and Notre Dame plays a lot of big 10 teams. So I, I see them a lot. So I'm glad that you recognize that Notre Dame, they, they're a power in both men's and women's soccer. And I love the notion of having a professional team in some form for the women. Well done you big adjustment to Alabama. I don't know Alabama that well, what has been the, biggest thing that uh, you've seen about Alabama I've heard good things about Birmingham yeah I think um kindness here like I think people have been extremely welcoming um the southern hospitality is real I've seen that firsthand since I've been here and just people that are, are very willing to help I think in my five weeks that I've been here um it's been pretty heavily so soccer focused, you know, we've been in our spring season. Um, so a lot of time spent with the team and, and getting to know them there. But beyond that, I think the program here and UAB itself is a very driven athletic department. You know, the three core values are win championships, make a difference. And what's the third one? Graduate with honors. 
So for us every day, we're, we're working towards that with, with our athletes and who are very dedicated both on and off the field and within the community. So yeah, it's awesome to be here. And um, I don't think you can talk about UAB women's soccer without kind of talking about Paul Harbin, who founded and created the program here, was the coach here till 2010. And Paul's become back involved since Lisa took over and just, in my transition, he's helped me a lot and he's the amount of stuff that I've learned about him and what he created here, the, the program, the foundations that he laid and the success that he led the team to in its early days. I think, you know, he's, he's a great guy to have around the program and someone who just truly loves Birmingham, UAB and just yeah, someone who who I really value and someone who I think is is going to be it's very helpful to me during my time here. You're awesome. I actually would love to call a game with you. I think you'd be an incredible analyst, by the way, because you're very articulate and your thought process, all of it. I really enjoy it. So I wouldn't be surprised to see you someday in a booth calling games. I don't know if, if you have any aspirations to do that, but you'd be great. I've, I, I think I'd love that, actually. I, I In my time at Smith, I, I called a basketball game because they were desperate one day. <laughs> I enjoyed it, but I would enjoy calling a soccer game a lot more. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully somewhere down the line, I'd, I'd love to give it a try. All right, Chloe, your greatest memory as a soccer player and your greatest memory as a soccer coach so far. Greatest memory as a player, greatest memory as a coach for Chloe Kane. I think this will sound crazy, but my favorite memory as, as a player was my last game for Holy Cross and you're going to think I'm crazy when I say this, but we actually lost the game on PKs. Um, but it was a semi conference, semi-final game. We're playing against almost like our bogey team. Like we just can't win this team. Like the, it's just a real a tough place for us to go at Cardinal stretch in, in Milwaukee. And we go to this game and like, we we tied zero zero after overtime and like I've just never like seen a team like grind out a tie and like mm. work for each other as hard as we worked for each other that day and I pulled my quad in like the first twenty minutes of that game so I couldn't take any of the goal kicks mm. um, so my best friends like coming over and like we're wasting time running down the clock like doing everything we can and. <laughs> Uh, our English ways to to delay the game and yeah we tied the game I made a couple of big time saves and you know other players clearing the ball off the line like just bodies on the line like doing what we can to to tie that game um in the end we lost on PKs but I just felt after that game like just filled with with gratitude to have spent my senior year with with that group of players and just the lessons that I learned that year both on and off the field and yeah the, the friendships um and the memories that we made like I was just very grateful you know sad that it was over but yeah I I know that on that last game we left everything out there and that was that was what we needed to do I love that answer. What about your greatest memory as a coach so far? Coaching, I'd say so far in, in my career, like I haven't 
won any big titles yet um and as an ambitious person like that's what ultimately I'm I'm striving to achieve but I think when I went to Smith I was really just like ah you know like I know soccer like I know all this the x's and the o's and but pretty quickly I realized that coaching is 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 about people and managing people and I think for me, it's just when I think about my biggest successes, it's it's seeing the players like achieve little things in their personal lives. Um, you know, I still speak with some of my players from Smith or, you know, they'll one one in particular. I remember in February, like she's extremely stressed out about getting an internship and or studying abroad, applying to study abroad and just helping her through that process. And then you know, when you get the text message from from the player that says, I, I got accepted, it's like, ah, oh, like that's awesome. Like just makes me really happy uh for them. And, and I think in my role, like, yes, I, I coach soccer, but ultimately at the end of the day, I view my role as I'm using soccer as the tool to to help these girls, to teach these girls life skills and and prepare them for for their life beyond college. Um so I think successes come in all shapes and sizes and success isn't always necessarily defined with what happens on the soccer field. And you can see a lot of success from their achievements off the field. From her heart to our ears, just awesome. Really enjoying this interview with Chloe Kane. Chloe, if you've listened to any of my interviews with the 30 under 30, I always ask that crystal ball question. And that is where you want to be in 15 years. Have you thought about it? Do you have an answer? Yeah, I think maybe not quite 15 years, um, but I I would love to be a head coach one day. I'm still pretty early in my career right now, and I maybe don't see that in, in my immediate future. But yeah, in 15 years, I, I'd love to be a head coach uh, in a program. Um, I'm not too picky on over division. You know, I've had experience in JUCO, NAIA, Division One, Division Three. Um, I think I, I, I got to get into Division Two at some point. <laughs> I checked that one off, but I think for me, I, I want to be a head coach at, at a program where I have players who are, are committed to the mission and enjoy playing for my soccer team. Um, and at the end of the day, we're successful. Whether, as I just said previously, whether that's on the field or off the field, but just in have a culture where, we're, you know, we're committed, we're passionate about what we're doing, but also we're, we're just helping people achieve their potential and, and go on to bigger and better things in their own life. So, yeah, I can't comment on exactly what level that will be at, but yeah, I'd love to be a head coach one day. And again, like as I get older, I think I've been blessed to be mentored by some really amazing coaches hopefully one day I, I can give that back to and help some younger coaches come through the ranks too you're over here in the states you're watching the Euros. you're seeing ninety thousand people you're seeing usa go over for a friendly to take on england i think if you asked vegas they're putting their money on england to win the world cup who's chloe kane putting her money on for the women's world cup this summer England. It has to be England. <laughs> Football's coming home. Uh, we, um, I think, like, just when you look at the growth of of the women's game 
in England in the last few years. And when I was growing up in Morecambe, like there was no girls soccer team. Like I didn't play club soccer until I was 16 because there was no team to play on. Like now I look at Morecambe ladies, they have five or six different age group teams. Like there's so many girls getting involved in the game and like girls have hope now. They, they can see themselves on that stage and, you know, playing in those clubs. And it's just amazing to see the game go from strength to strength over there and really kind of get the, the platform and, and the stage that, that it deserves. That is awesome. When you hear these three words and they may not resonate with everybody in England. And as you kind of joked about, they haven't totally resonated with your family, but the three words are United soccer coaches. What do those three words mean to Chloe Kane? I think opportunity, growth, you know, programs such as as this one, the 30 under 30 program and the other kind of educational and coaching programs. I think for me, being a part of this program is a great opportunity to grow um, and to be connected again with, with like-minded people. I think the people that I've had the opportunity to meet through the program, the people in my group, and hearing their stories and, you know, seeing them, some of them at the same time, you know, beginning new roles, starting new challenges. Um, it's really awesome just to kind of to meet those people and, um, yeah, make those connections and grow my my circle within within coaching. Last question, and I mean this from my heart, not in a sycophantic way. You absolutely crushed this interview and as I'm reading about you, I learned that you did your application via video, which I want to see because I got to believe you also crushed that. I'm hoping you'll tell me this was easier than that, but just tell me why you decided to do a video application because you are really good at it, by the way. Yeah, I think with video, like it's a lot more personal mm -hmm. um, and I, when I say emotional, I don't mean like I was in tears doing these <laughs> videos, but I think, you know, you can really see the where that message is coming from. And I think that's with, you know, spoken communication and also, you know, my body language, the way I, I present myself. Um, and I, I think for me, that was just a way for, for me to, to really like from, from, from the core, from the heart, really kind of get my message across. And yeah, I won't lie. It took a couple of, uh, <laughs> a couple of takes to get it right. Um, I did it standing up and <laughs> sitting down and yeah, eventually did the sitting down and then I did it, the video. So they had nice covers too. And yeah, just a big thing in my work is like, I want it to look good. So if I'm doing itineraries for the team, slideshows, whatever that may be, I want it all to look good. I want it to look on brand. So yeah, I think for me, that was the best way for, for me to present myself in, in a professional manner and really get across who I am and what I'm about. I love it, Chloe. And I love this job, particularly as I get older and having been involved in the game for a long time, even before you were born, I was the junior press officer for the 91 women when the USA won over in China. So I love the women's game and been the longtime voice of the courage. But the fact that you're tied to Kathy Braun made my day. And uh, I do hope that you send her 
my best. I send you my best and same to her as well. Thank you so much for wrapping up what's but a brilliant show today, Chloe. Good luck to you and all of your future endeavors. I, I know you're going to do great things. I appreciate that, Dean. It was great to chat. It was indeed great to chat with Chloe and all of our amazing guests. I want to thank Bailey Conklin, Brandon Milburn, and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches. I also want to thank our producer, Colin Thrash, for each and every one of you, all of our members. I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.